How many are a blessed person? Come on, a blessed person. In fact, that's a series that we're starting over the next coming weeks. It's called Blessed. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I am blessed. You are blessed. We're blessed to live in New Zealand. We're blessed to be standing next to the people we're standing next to right now. We're blessed that we're alive. We're kicking. Come on, how many are blessed in this place? Come on, if you know God has blessed your life, can we give God one big, come on, let's give Him a, one big clap of praise right now. Blessed. Uh, there's a whole lot of thoughts around that word blessed and a whole lot of teaching around blessed. And I pray we're going to give a balanced teaching on what it means to live a blessed life. Uh, this week I've had a bit of positional vertigo which means I've got some things going on in my ears, some crystals that have caused me to be a little bit out of balance. So don't worry, I actually might fall over without the ledge uh, this Sunday, but uh, you know, some stuff. But we're, we're going to give not an out of balance teaching, uh, a balanced teaching uh, over these next coming weeks on what it means to live blessed. Because how many know God wants to bless your life? You know, in fact, right in the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, it says He blessed them and He said, be fruitful and multiply. You know, but later on in Scripture, He gave a promise to a guy named Abraham. And that promise wasn't just to Abraham at that point in time. In fact, Galatians says that promise is for you and I today. That promise that was given to Abraham is given to you and I today. So before we sit down, we're going to stand and read the Word of God from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your people and your father's house to a land I will show you. How many believe today that God wants to show them something great? He has more for each and every one of our lives. He says, Go to the land I will show you and I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you. That's good news right there. He says, I will bless you and I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. So, so not only is God going to bless us, but He's saying through our lives, He wants us to be a blessing. And He says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all peoples, somebody say all peoples. Uh, that's not just some, a few you know, one or two, it's all peoples, it says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, that's God's design. God's design is that He would bless a group of people and that through those people, all the people on the earth will be blessed through them. If you don't believe it, it's through Scripture. Just quickly, Proverbs 11, verse 10 to 11, it says, when the righteous prosper. Who are the righteous? Lift up your hand if you're a righteous person. You're not righteous by your good works, by your good deeds. Like Abraham, it says, Abraham believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's our faith that makes us righteous. That's good news right there. You know, it's our faith that makes us righteous. It says, listen to this. It says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. How many can believe that Auckland is going to rejoice because of yours and my prosperity? Yeah. And it goes on and says, When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And listen to this. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. 
You know, I really believe God wants to bless people so much in this place that this city is going to rejoice. That, that the world around us is going to be happy. Because we're not just blessed for self. We're blessed so that we can be a blessing. Come on, if you believe that, how about lifting your hands in the air right where you are? Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and make this word live. Lord, I pray, Lord, if there's any limited mindset, Lord, we'd be able to shake that off and we'd be able to embrace your plan and your purpose for our lives. Lord, we don't want to be limited. We don't want to be hindered. We want to outwork everything that you've purposed and promised. Lord, and even right now, by faith, we take hold of your word. We take hold of your promise. And we declare, because you're in our life, we are blessed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, just turn to three or four people and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. I know Patrick and Deborah are blessed. Do you know tomorrow they celebrate their 34th wedding anniversary? Come on, give them a hand. Great people. As a church, we're blessed. Everyone's blessed. And God's blessing is simply God's power to do something or be somebody which matches His design. You know, how, how many know it's one thing to believe you're blessed, it's another thing to live blessed. Yeah, good. And I'm praying during the series that we'll know what it is to actually live blessed. Yeah, great. Now, now, for us to understand how God works, we've got to look at, at patterns of Scripture. You know, when it comes to the Bible, a lot of people have favorite verses. How many have a favorite verse that they, they like to quote, they like to hold on to? We have favorite verses that, 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 that we grab hold of and, uh, you know, we apply faith to in different moments. But sometimes when it comes to how God works, we've got to look at patterns of Scripture, pa- patterns in the Bible. It's like, you know, when it comes to yours and my life, when, when God's speaking, how many know you can hear Him in a moment, but there's some things that where God speaks, where it's not just in a moment. You can see that God's been saying things over a course of days, weeks, sometimes even months, where, where there's a pattern to it. Yeah. And I believe it's so important that we understand the patterns in Scripture. You know, we often you know, find patterns through how the Israelites walked with God, you know, the, the children of God. And uh, if, if you look at how, how even Israel came into a being. There was a, there was a pattern. There was a pattern where, where there was 12 siblings and, and 11 of those siblings sold, sold one, one brother into slavery. And uh, his name was Joseph. And uh, as a result of that, you know, this, this one guy was unfairly treated, uh, unfairly treated and he, he in the end was in a place of confinement. But in the end, that one brother who was sold into slavery, you know, uh, brought relief to the, the rest of the family during a season of famine. In fact, what happened was God positioned him, and because of where God positioned him, that family was blessed, uh, blessed because, because of Joseph. And uh, Joseph, in the end, gave them land, and, and the whole family moved to Egypt. We know the story there. And what happened was they started reproducing so quickly that then Pharaoh got intimidated by their size because they were out, outnumbering the Egyptians. So what did he do? He put the whole family into slavery. Uh, isn't that funny? There's a family that puts one member into slavery and then they all end in slavery. And, and then what happens? Then, then, then God raises up a deliverer. His name is, anybody know his name is? 
Moses, his name is Moses, and he then delivers the whole children of Israel out of slavery. And and he gives them a mandate. God gives them a a mandate. He says, you need to maintain justice. You need to maintain righteousness to the poor and to the least. You, You need to look after those people. But they end up not doing that very well. In fact, in some instances, it was just horrible. In fact, you, you read you know, even the account of Solomon, who was the third king in that time. And, and Solomon, you know, which is, is a little bit weird, he uses slave labor uh, to build the temple. Now, now, this is the guy who comes from a lineage of freed slaves, and he's using slaves to build the temple to honor the God who frees the slaves. Uh, do you see the irony in that? It's a little bit ironic there. And so, so what happens because they don't look after the poor, they don't look after the least, you know, they end back up in slavery and they end up in a place called Babylon. And, and what seems to be happening in the story is this group of people, until they embrace God's call to set people free from slavery, they find themselves in a place where they enslave themselves. Uh, do you see the pattern here? You know, I want to say, say, could this be yours and my story as well? See, see, everybody who starts this Christian walk starts saying yes to God. In fact, that's one of the themes of our church is just say yes to God. Even when we don't understand, say yes to God. In fact, humility, what humility does is simply says yes to God. Humility means to agree with God. It says, God, your, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are, are higher than my thoughts. You know, in the end, you're God. And so in humility, I'm going to come into agreement with your plan and with your purpose for my life, knowing that you want to bless me. Now, knowing that you have a great plan for my life, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to agree with you. How many know God's called us to live an awesome life? God's called you to be awesome. And do you know the most humble response to that is to agree with God? You know, I often think, who are we to live small lives? See, you can't have a small vision when you serve a big God. Come on, if we serve a big God, come on, God can do all things through our life. And and humility is simply agreeing with God. You know, when, when, when we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror, you know, we shouldn't criticize ourselves, come down on ourselves. You know, even when you know, we look in it and think, well, if this was over here and that was over there, you know, things would be all right. But when we look in the mirror, you know, we should look in the mirror and go, that's awesome. Because how many know we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made? Do I get an amen there? Amen. And, 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 you know, to say that's awesome, that's sh- humility there. Because what are you doing? You're agreeing with God's creation. You know, how many know God didn't make mistakes? You know, when he made you, he didn't go, whoops, I'll get it right with the next one. Uh, you're, you're created in the image of God. And, and so, so starting our journey with God is simply saying, saying yes to God. But because I say yes to God, you've got to ask, what do I need to say no to? And, and there's some things, you know, when you start your walk with God, you just go, I, I'm not going to do that any longer. There, there, there comes a no. And in fact, that's how Israel's journey started with God. You know, in, in the wilderness, he delivered them from slavery. And then what happened was the Ten Commandments. And, and there was a whole list of no's that followed there. You know, there was to be no other gods. 
Uh, there was to be no other images. There was to be no Sabbath breaking, no dishonoring of your parents. There's to be no adultery, no stealing, no lying, no murdering. So, so there was a whole list of notes. So, so it's like your, your, your life with God says, yeah, there's a yes, but it's followed by a list of no's. But, but at some point, the, the no's get a little bit boring because you've got those down. It's like, yeah, th- these are normal. Yeah, of course, you know, I don't steal. Well, I hope you don't think about stealing. You know, you know it's like, oh, of course, you know. Now, a lot of us, well, I hope all of us know, uh, didn't wake up this morning thinking, man, I just want to murder somebody today. You know, these, these are the Ten Commandments. You know, and I hope that, you know, in our mind, you know, we just don't have an urge to, to sleep with somebody else's wife. It's, it's just, you know, that, that the nose that that's normal, basic behavior there. You know, I, I'm not a liar. I don't want to be a liar. And so if you've been following Jesus for some time, you know, I hope you've got some of the nose down. But at, at some point in time, our, our life has to move from that. See, the yes that's centered around the no is more about what I abstain from. But the yes centered around the yes is, is, is more about what I engage with. See, I, I believe the challenge in a lot of places is, is people haven't moved past the no's to, to, to engage with a more profound yes. See, it's, it's not just about what we don't do. And the problem, you know, with the Pharisees in the New Testament was it was all about the no's. But they had neglected the more profound yes. And in our faith, you know, the danger, well, I'm a Christian. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. Well, well, our Christianity shouldn't be defined by what we don't do as more, more as what we do do. You know, we do reach out to people you know, who are less fortunate than us. We, we, we do, you know, share our faith. We, we do. We are generous. But so many people can define their, their, their life by what they don't do. Well, I don't do that. But I believe there's more, a more profound yes that we need to engage with. See, it's not just what you're being saved from. So many, yeah, we can look at what we're being saved from. And I pray we're thankful for what we're being saved from. That matters. That's our testimony. But, but this series, what we're going to talk about, is more about what we're being saved to. Come on, you've been saved to an awesome life. Jesus said himself, I came. This is the reason I came. I came that you might have life and life. Come on, anybody, I need a little bit of feedback this morning. Life and life. God wants to give you an abundant life. See, see, when you understand what you're being saved to, you can break the cycles of negative behavior. When, you've been, uh, when you understand what you're being saved to, what, what happens is you then have the ability to change the world. See, I'm not just blessed for me. You know, I'm not just blessed, you know, so God's dealt with my past. No, God's got an amazing future. Come on, God wants to bless your life. He wants you to live blessed so that you can be a blessing to the world around you. See, there's one part of our Christian life that's about what I abstain from, but there's another one that goes beyond that. And Jesus even demonstrated this with the, with the, uh, with the rich young ruler. In Mark chapter 10, let's look at this. It says, And Jesus started on his way, and a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. And he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit 
eternal life. You say, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. You, here's the commandments. You shall not. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Uh, honor your mother and father. And the teacher, uh, teacher, he declared, this is the guy, says, all these things I have kept since I was a young boy. So I got this down. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, you know, I'm keeping the Ten Commandments. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And he said, one thing you lack. He said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have your treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And this man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Well, he trusted in his wealth. It wasn't that he had wealth. It was that his trust was in his wealth. So, so he had engaged. He had got the nose down, but he still hadn't engaged with a, pr- a profound yes. I wonder how many of us in this room, you know, go, well, I've got the nose down, I'm, I'm not living a moral life, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. But the question I want to ask you is, have you engaged with the profound yes? To reach your fellow man. Uh, to look after matters of injustice. Now, where are you at with that? You know, have you decided to live a life of mission? A, a, a life of purpose? Because what was happening in, in Israel's history is, yeah, they got freed from slavery, but the moment they overlooked matters of injustice and mission, you know, what happened? They went back into slavery. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, here's the problem with Israel. Israel, over time, got so focused on the nose that they lost sight of the profound yes. Yeah, you know, and here's the myth. That, that all of us need to confront at some point. Here's a myth. Nothing in our life remains unoccupied. How, how many know, just because you have a spare room doesn't mean it's an empty room. A, a lot of garbage gets stored in, in spare rooms. You know, it, it's just like, if you don't park your car in the garage, come on, something else is going to park there. It's going to be used for something else. And, and, and there's nothing in our life that remains unoccupied. You know, just because you've sent an eviction notice to negative thoughts doesn't mean that, you know, there's, it's just an empty space. Your mind's always thinking something. And unless you replace it with positive thoughts, what there'll be is there'll be a natural gravitational pull back to that negativity. And so many people go, well, I want to get free. I want to get free from this. Well, if you want to get free, you've got to understand not just what you're going to be saved from. You've got to understand what you're being saved to. Because you don't get rid of negative thoughts by just going, well, I'm not, just, I'm not going to think negatively. I'm not going to think. You know, how many know, even thinking about that, you're going to start thinking negatively. Uh, you've got to replace that. And, and here's the thought. You know, our life, our thinking, our time and our resources... And, you know, they're all being filled by and used for something. The question is what? The question is, uh, are our thoughts freeing us or enslaving us? Because if we're not focused on mission and purpose, you know, we're in danger of going back to a different form of slavery. And that's what happened through Scripture, and that's why God would raise up prophets to come and speak to, the, to people and say, come on, you need to wake up. 
there's a more profound yes that you need to engage with. Don't just center your life around the nose. You need to move forward from that and you need to engage. You know, Jesus would confront it. In fact, in Matthew 23, which is a whole chapter on woes. Woe to you. You know, Jesus is rarely addressing the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the people who are all about the law and about the nose. And, 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 and he's saying to them, hey, you killed all the prophets back then, but now you celebrate them. In fact, from where he was saying it, he was overlooking the Mount of Olives. And if you know the Mount of Olives, really it's just a big tomb, graveyard. You know, we're, we're, we're prophets of old, you know, the Ezekiels, the Jeremiah's, you know, their graves are celebrated. But how many know at the time where Jeremiah was delivering his messages, he wasn't celebrated? In fact, if you read through the prophets in the Bible, all of them end up, ended up being killed. They were, they were carrying a message that wasn't, you know, people weren't ready to receive. But later on, people say, hey, that guy... That guy, he had something about him. He knew what he was talking about. And, and Jesus is, you know, Matthew 23, talking to the Pharisees and going, hey, you killed all the prophets and you're about to kill me. Now, I'm speaking something that, that's important right now. Important? See, see, see a, a lot of us, our initial response, well, that's the Pharisees. I'd never do that. I'd never do that. How many have ever found themselves saying that? Well, I'd never do that. Uh, that's not in my nature. Yeah, how many know it's easy to excuse ourselves? Yeah, yeah. You know, we read the Bible. You know, Pastor Jordan Smith says it well. We, we read the Bible like we're the heroes in the story. You know, we're the Davids. You know, we're the, we're the Ruths. We're, we're like we're the heroes. Could it be sometimes we're they actually the bad person? You know, could it be sometimes, you know, you know, we like Peter and Acts, but in the Gospels, how many know Peter puts his, his, his foot in his mouth time and time again? You know, you know, Peter, you know, he said some brilliant stuff like, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. But in the next few verses, you know, Jesus has having to rebuke him and, and he's calling him Satan. <laughs> Because he's not mindful of the things of God. And, and it's like, yeah, we, we like the Peter. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I, I have a revelation of Jesus. But are there times in our life where we're, we're actually, you know, we're, we're the person, you know, that needs to be addressed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if we're to be honest, I, I reckon there's a little Pharisee that lives inside of all of us. Everybody go, ouch. <laughs> you know, some of you go, oh, I, not me. You know, I, I'd never do those things. And in fact, some of us sit there and we deflect. And it happens. Politicians are good at this, you know, when the heat goes on them. And it's just a mode of deflecting over here. But what about them? But what about them? You know, and it happens in the media all the time. There's this deflection. And we don't take a step back. Oh, I jumped up. <laughs> we, we don't take a step back and, and actually pause and consider. You know, what, what God is saying to us. What well, God saying? I, I just quickly got this morning four I would nevers. Okay, four uh, I would never do this. Okay, uh, Matthew thirteen. Let's look at this one. Matthew thirteen verse twenty two. It says, "The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth 
choke the word, making it unfruitful. How many want the word of God to be fruitful in their life? Come on, if you're going to spend a Sunday morning coming out, listening to a bald guy speak the Word of God, come on, at least get all you can out from it. Come on, if you're going to hear the Word, you want it to be what? You want it to be fruitful in your life. But here, Jesus is saying, you know, these are the things that stop it being fruitful. Some of you are saying, well, I, I would never. Uh, initial response is, oh, well, I, I, would never, I would never let the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth Rob me of God's best for my life. I'd never do that. I'd never do that. Yeah, the worries of this life. To to a Hebrew, the worries of this life is the failure to be here. That's what it means. It's simply the failure to be here. It's, It's you are here, but in your mind you're somewhere else. I'm calling everybody back into the room right now. Come on. Come back into the room. It's like, how many know we, we can be here, but we can be somewhere else? Because our mind, and it's not that we're anxious, but, but to not be worried by the, the, the cares of this world is simply to, to be present. You know, it's not to be just physically here, it's to be mentally here. And, and when you're not mentally here, it's like you're engaged with the worries of this life. Come on, I, I want Equipus Church to be a present church. Come on, are you with me this morning? I need to know a little bit, verbalize it as well. Come on, we need to be present. If the, if the Word of God is going to be fruitful in our life. See, 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 that's what it means. It means where you can be fully present in the moment and see what God has for you here. How many know God has something here for you this morning? It's something He wants to bless your life with, but if you're somewhere else, you're going to miss it. You're going to, because why? You're, you're too worried about the meeting you got tomorrow. Or some of you, you're just worried about lunch. You know, it, it's focused. You're, you're worried about all this, thinking about this, praying this, but you're not here. But God has something for you here, now. And, and the worries of this life, that what do they do? They choke the word. You know, I would never let that. Well, what about the deceitfulness of, of wealth? You know, the deceitfulness of wealth, that, that, that really meant, you know, the failure to be now. So the cares of this world is the, the failure to be here, but, but, but the, the deceitfulness of, of wealth is the failure to be now. It's the idea that there's something outside of me that I don't currently have, and if I just obtained it, I'd feel better. If I just obtained it, I'd be happy. It's it's a whole myth that someday more will be enough. You know, it's just that's why we go for the next upgrade because the next upgrade. But how many know there's always going to be another upgrade? Yeah. Yeah, And and people, if I had more money, more money, it would satisfy something within me. You know, I I found money, more money just magnifies who you already are. So if you're an idiot with no money, you're just going to be a bigger idiot with more money. You know, it just magnifies you. It doesn't take away your problem. And there's a deceitfulness attached to it that if I owned that, if I drove that, if I had that, you know, it would fulfill the longing in my heart. But there, there's a failure to be now. You know, one, one philosopher put it this way. You know, we fluctuate between pain and boredom. The pain is wanting something that you don't have. But boredom is getting what you think you wanted and realizing it didn't do for you what you wanted it to do. 
And we fluctuate between this pain of going after these things, striving for these things, and then getting them and thinking, oh, that didn't satisfy. And we fluctuate, and we don't find meaning. And we go through all this pain thinking, you know, this will make my life better, but we're still bored. And Jesus is challenging the people, hey, the worries of this life, always being somewhere else, and the deceitfulness of wealth, chasing that thing that you don't have that you think will make you better. You know, it will choke my ability to bless you. For the, fruit, uh, for the Word of God to be fruitful, it's the same two lies that, that were told by the serpent in the gar- garden. You know, he was like, oh, well, the best way to organize your life is getting good and evil right. You just need to get good and evil right. But how many know if your focus is on the wrongs and the rights, you're living on the edge. Yeah, you're living on the edge. Oh, well, this is, this is right, this is wrong. This is right, this is wrong. Yeah, the, the, the whole heart of God is not for you to be on the edge. It's to draw you to the center. You know, so many Christians are asking wrong questions. It's like questions of, well, how, how far is too far? How, how far can I go without falling over the edge? You know, there's a lot of Christians. You know, what, what's the minimum I need to do and still be called a Christian? Dumb question. Dumb, dumb question. You know, oh, well, you know, it, it's like, how far am I still in? You're already in. You didn't get in by your good deeds. You didn't get in by your efforts. You're, you're in because of the finished work of Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross. And so the, the whole thought is not living on the edges. What's the minimum? What's the, uh, the least I can do? It's more about, hey, I want to draw into the heart and the center of God's purpose and will for my life. See, the second lie was there's something outside of you that if you had it, you'd feel better. If you just had that more time, if you had that. And Jesus is challenging them saying, hey, those two things, they're going to kill, they're going to choke. The very thing I placed in your life that has the capacity to bless you. And Jesus was challenging them to live a more profound life. Some of you say, oh, well, I'd never do that. Well, here's the second. I would never. Okay, second one, and let's go to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Second, uh, whatever. It says, they came to Capernaum. He was in the house. He asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. <laughs> Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Some of you are going, I would never do that. I would never in the presence of Jesus worry about who's getting promoted. I would never do that. You know, in the presence of Jesus, you know, you know I, I wouldn't worry about where I fit in the picture. But then we get secretly angry when somebody else gets noticed and we don't. I reckon how we respond to the favor of God on somebody else's life tells us a lot about us. You know, whether we can celebrate it or whether we worry about our position, that's what the disciples were doing. They're trying to position themselves. You know, before we react, we maybe need to 
pause because, you know, some of us, you know, this is a big thing. It's like, you know, we even get judgmental. When it comes to somebody else's blessing and how they got there, well, you know, if I had that opportunity and, you know, they only blessed, they only got that, that promotion, that thing, because of. And, and we give all these reasons and we can't even celebrate. You know, and, and, you know, it's not like we're doing wrong things ourselves. In fact, we're doing the right things, but on the way to doing, uh, on, on the way, it's like we've got this all warped. You know, and we say, well, I, I'd never do that. Uh, and uh, God is calling us to something greater. There may be a time you know, in our life where we've just got to get past the menial things, uh, the little things. It's amazing how many uh, you know, will let little things keep them out of church. Uh, you know, little things. Well, they did this, and they said that, and they you know, overlooked me, and they did that. And, and it's the little menial things that will actually stop people even fellowshipping, and we've just got to go past all that stuff. Yeah. Whoa, somebody agrees with that point. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, it's like, just go, get past all the politics. Yeah. Get past all the maneuvering and who got recognized and who didn't get recognized and who got the opportunity. To, you know, here's the deal. Promotion doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, or the west. Promotion comes from God. And, and in the end, he can take you from a field and he can put you in a palace overnight if you keep the right heart. Yeah. And, and we've just got to go past that. And some of you are, oh, never, but maybe we would. Okay, number three. Okay, third, I would never. Okay, let's go to Luke 10, verse, verse 30. It says, in reply to Jesus, a man was going to Jerusalem, to Jericho. And when he was attacked by some robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. I would never do that. Yeah, it's amazing how many people on social media have, have declared they would never do that. But all those other people, what's wrong with that priest? What's wrong with all those people? I would never do that. Well, maybe you have. And maybe you need to stop and pause. Maybe you've been walking on the other side of the road for a long time that you're insulated to the needs that are around you every day. And, and you walk past them every day, but you don't even give them the time or the consideration. You know, it's amazing when a tragedy happens, everybody goes, they should be, you know, and it's like we're pointing the finger at everybody else. I, but I would never do that. Don't you believe it? You know, we can go about our week without engaging with the needs around us. How often do we just go into our week we, uh, and not even consider and think about the needs around us? Here's the thing. We're not doing wrong things. In fact, like the priest, we're doing the right thing. He's going in the right place. But on the way to doing something right, he stopped over something more profound. He stepped over something more profound. And the danger is, you know, on, on our way to doing the right things, we just step over things and we miss the God moments. And, and, and maybe, you know, even like the Pharisees, oh, I'd never do that. Well, maybe we just need to stop, pause, reflect. Okay, fourth one, to finish up, if we could have the musicians up. In Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Is anybody getting anything from this? 
Okay. Luke 12, verse 13, it says, Somebody in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man who appointed me judge or arbiter. Uh, uh, yeah, that word, between you. In other words, I'm not going to call this. You know, him and know that you get involved in an argument sometimes, and there's always different sides of the story. And if you just listen to one side, you're in danger of getting it wrong. He's not, you know, I'm not going to arbitrate between you. And he said, to, watch out. This is what he said. Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Be watch, watch out for these. Now, some of you are saying, well, well I'd never, I'd never let money come between me and the relationships I have with people. I, I'd never let money come in between me and my brother. Yeah, I never, never, how many know that happens all the time in the world? Relationships destroyed. Families destroyed. Money and possessions. People go, I'd never do that. Would, would we actually honor relationships over stuff? Or, or do we honor stuff over relationships? That's the questions we're going to ask. You know, this is a little bit confronting. And as I said, maybe there's a little bit of a Pharisee inside each and every one of us. Yeah, you know, we've engaged with the, with the no's. Yeah, you know, well, I don't do this, I don't do this. But we still haven't engaged with the profound yes. We haven't engaged with mission. And, and when we don't, what we've got to realize is, is actually we're drifting back towards slavery. It's in a different form. It's in a different package. But it still leaves us bound. And, and the Christian life is, is not defined by just what we, what we don't do. You know, the Christian life and the call of God is about, hey, God's blessed us. And the purpose of that blessing is so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. Come on, God doesn't just want you to, to free you so you can go, look, I'm free. He wants to free you so that you can go about freeing others. That other people around you will be blessed because you're blessed. You know, I wonder if God blessed you right now, how many people around your life would be blessed as a result of that blessing? See, there's a danger in our lives that, that, that we just search God for what we need, we get what we need, and then we leave. But that's not how it's meant to work. The way it's meant to work is, is that God blesses us and that through our lives, then all the families on the earth would be blessed. Come on, how many would say they're blessed right now? Come on, we're blessed. I'm a blessed person. Come on, if you believe that, don't just sit there with your arms folded. Let's give God a big clap of praise. Come on, there needs to come a response in your heart to engage at another level. You know, so I would never let the worries of life choke the Word, choke God's best. Well, some of us do that every week. It's like we're in church, but we're not here. We're gone. In fact, you know, we can't even have a 10-minute devotion reading our Bible without being distracted. I'm going, what's up with that? If you can look through social media for hours and you can't read your Bible for 10 minutes, maybe the worries of this life are choking I'm choking the word. Come on, 10 minutes. It's like, surely you can focus for 10 minutes. 
You know, I get people going, oh, you know, church is just too much. It's only an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes on a Sunday. It's not that long. You can sit through a movie. You know, what you've got to understand is, it's like movies go for three hours today. And it's like, what you've got to understand is there's an enemy out there who wants to get you absorbed. Come on, I'm talking to all the ADD people. You know, it wants you to get you absorbed over here, over here, over here, that you can't focus on something that really matters, that's going to bear fruits in your life, that's going to produce. And, and I would never, well, maybe not. I, well, I never let the deceitfulness of wealth distract me. Yeah, I never do that. Well, why are you so busy in your job that you're not spending time with your family? You know, you're putting aside other things and, and you know, well, I just need to do it because I need the house. I need to get the house. I need to get the car. I need to get this. I need to get this. And you think once you get that, you know, your life will be fulfilled. It's a lie. Don't, don't get me wrong. All those things aren't bad. But we can't let them choke the Word of God in us. Don't buy into the lie that more money equals more happiness. It doesn't. That's crazy. You know, well, I would never, I would never want to be noticed. I would never, that, that's not me. I'd never argue over those things. My, my ambition would never turn selfish. Maybe right now we need to check ourselves. Because how many know none of us are immune from this there? Yeah, here's another. I, I would never step over somebody in obvious need. Even if it's on the way to doing something good and important. I would never break relationship over a disagreement to do with money. I just wouldn't do that. Have we said, I would never. Come on, right now. Here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. And here's what we need to wrestle with. Where do we need to bring the worries of our life and leave them with Jesus? This morning, where do we need? Where do we need to admit the deceitfulness of of wealth? And just say, yeah, that's God. I'm going to free my heart from that. Uh, where where do we secretly get angry if we're not noticed? Yeah, where have we let envy come into our heart? Are we stepping over someone in obvious need to meet, because we've got to meet our schedule? Come on, is there a place in our lives where we're prioritizing material wealth over relationships? What you've got to understand is the gospel is found and true life is found in demoting Ourselves to make somebody else better. It's like, it's in, if I become less and they become more, I've engaged with a profound yes. Come on, isn't that the message of the cross? I, I become less that they might become more. See, see, it's in the losing of your life, Jesus said, that's when you start to discover what life is all about. It's in the giving up and the surrendering. You know, unless 
a seed dies, Jesus said, it remains alone. But if it dies, it goes on to produce much. Come on, how many want to be productive in their life? How many want to live in the center of what God has for them? You've got to understand, it's not just by engaging, living in the no's. It's engaging with the profound yes. It's not just what you abstain from. Come on, where do you need to let your heart engage to a greater degree with God's purpose? He's blessed you. Come on, everybody say, I am blessed. Come on, say it out loud. I am blessed. Come on, with everything you got, I am blessed to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.